Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, we're just going to read, begin by reading two verses, Hebrews chapter 11. Let me turn this on. You can, you can switch that, Brother Phil. Thank you very much. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 11, we'll read verses 13 and 14, which say this, and uh, I'll try to be quick here. Hebrews 11, verses 13 and 14 say this, these all died in faith not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. <laughs> Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your goodness and grace. Lord, we thank you uh, for the faithfulness of your people. <laughs> Lord, because they gave uh, uh, Lord, uh, they gave their uh, uh, tithes and offerings to keep the doors open, the lights here. But Lord, because of their faithfulness in missions, not only were we able to keep our missionaries uh, supported, but Lord, we were able to be a blessing to somebody else. And so, Lord, we give you the honor and glory for that, for working through this local church, for working through your faithful people to meet the need of thy servants. So we thank you for that. And Lord, uh, it's just a blessing to serve you. Lord, as we think about Thanksgiving, Lord, uh, Lord, we could count our blessings, and no doubt we have so much to thank you for. Our salvation, Lord, your constant presence, your constant care. Lord, the fact that we do have the very Word of God, the fact that we have uh, a building to protect us uh, from the elements. We realize, again, a church is not a building put together by man, but it's a people put together by God. And so, Lord, I thank you for the people that you've put together at this local church, but also the building you've provided that we can come together uh, and uh, meet. And uh, so we're thankful for these things. Lord, we're thankful for our vehicles, Lord, that we were able to use to get to the uh, church tonight. Lord, we uh, thank you for uh, Lord, the jobs and the things that you provide so we can, uh, our needs can be met for our family so we can have our, our houses and, and all these other things, dear God, that you allow us to have. We don't want to take that lightly or for granted, but Lord, we want to be a thankful people. And so, Lord, I pray as we look at this uh, thought tonight in the Word of God that it would be an encouragement to thy people and glorify Jesus Christ, for it's in his name we pray. Amen. So as we celebrate Thanksgiving, of course, we just talked a little bit about the history of Thanksgiving. And of course, it mentioned the pilgrims. So I thought it'd be a good time to reflect that we should be thankful that we're pilgrims. Amen. We should be thankful that we're pilgrims ourselves moving through this world. Again, Hebrews 11 verse 13 said this, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims. I know that we've looked at a larger portion of this scripture, so I just want to highlight some of these things as remembrance, but strangers and pilgrims. Again, stranger means to be from another place, and then pilgrim means to be headed to another place. So let's uh, think of it this way. A stranger is to be away from home and a pilgrim is to be headed home, <laughs> right? So we're both. We're strangers, not just strange, but strangers, right? We're away from home, but there were pilgrims and we're headed home. Amen. So I like the both parts of that, right? We're away from home, but we are headed home. <laughs> now you think of the uh, patriarchs, Right. And of course, in Hebrews 11, it talks about the patriarchs and uh, the uh, patriarchs were really characterized by two objects when they were in the world, when they were pilgrims and strangers in the world. And uh, anybody have an idea what those uh, two objects might be? 
Can you think? Think about pilgrim. Think about servants of God. A tent. Very good. And what might the other one be? Right? Well, what did Abraham? Abraham built a what there? <coughs> an altar. He built an altar there. So they, had a, they, had, they were known for, right, traveling in tents. They were moving all the time, but also uh, having an altar. So the fact that they traveled in a tent sort of showed their attitude towards the world, right, as pilgrims, just moving along place to place in the world. And then the fact that having an altar, right, showed their, their attitude, if you will, toward God. And so as, as believers, we would have a proper attitude towards the world, Right, We do live here, so we do have to have something to protect us from the elements, but yet we have to realize we're just a passing through. So we need to have that thought, toward that attitude towards the world that we're just passing through. And then, as we're passing through, we want to keep the proper attitude towards God. Amen? That God is with, right, until we go to be with Him. It's funny how excited we get about going to be with Him one day, but we forget that He comes to be with us every day. So it doesn't really matter as long as we're with Him, right? Whether, I mean, you know, uh, it's like saying, uh, asking grandparents, uh, do, do you only like it when the kids come to your house? Or do you like it when you go to their house too, <laughs> right? Hey, I like it both ways. Whether I'm at the grandkids' house or the grandkids at my house, I like it. So, hey, whether the Lord's at my house, so to speak, or whether I'm at his house, doesn't matter to me as long as I'm with him. And so a good way to think of it, right? Have a tent to get us through the world and an altar to worship the Lord while we're here. So it says this, these all died in faith. And so what's that show? That faith was a characteristic of their life. Right? We think of faith. Most people, when they think of a, a, what is your faith, they think of it as a religious sense. But listen, we have faith, and that should be a characteristic of our life. So, uh, you know, it says they died in faith. Well, you know, I think about, you know, the Lord's coming one day, but hey, whether I go by cloud or the coffin, <laughs> doesn't matter to me. Uh, that's up to the Lord. I'll leave that up to Him. But either way, right, that's not going to affect my faith. Uh, you know, Brother Adam's been teaching on that in Sunday school, and it talks about the scoffers that'll say, you know, where's the promise of his coming? Well, you know what? You know what good answer that is? The same place it's always been, in his unchanging, trustworthy word. That's where the promise of his coming is. It's right in his word, right? It hasn't moved. So we will stay true as believers. We want to stay true to the principles of faith, so either he breaks the skies or we close our eyes, amen, however he wants to do it, amen, we're gonna, we want to live in faith. And so whether we go by faith or die by faith, we'll live that up to him. But they had that testimony that they didn't give up and kept moving. And it says they went not received, right, having not received the promise, but had seen them. You see, and what is faith? Faith is the evidence of things not seen. It says right there at the beginning of the chapter, right? Faith is the evidence of things not seen. So whether it's today or if you want to look at it again, whether it's today or that day when he comes, again, it matters not to me. I just know that the promises are there and I know the promises are going to be fulfilled. But the timing is however he wants to do it. I mean, think about that. He gave Abraham the promise that, you know, what's Abraham mean? The father of many nations. But yet he's the father of many nations, but yet he only had one child. We say, oh, he had more children. Well, in God's eyes, he only had one child of pro the promise, right? 
Uh, God didn't recognize uh, Ishmael and the others in that sense, right? God recognized Isaac as the, the promised one in Abraham's life. So here he was supposed to be the father of many nations, but yet God only gave him one uh, 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 child of promise during his lifetime. And then even that child, right, even in the next generation, he only had what? Two children, right? Isaac only had, only had two children. Well, then you say, well, and then it was the third generation before the family really began to grow a while, right? And they had, uh, uh, Jacob had, you know, the, 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 the 12 patriarchs, his 12 children. But really, when you study the Bible about that promised seed, that seed was Christ. And it wasn't born till, what, thousands of years later, thousands of years later. But yet, it, he was born when the fullness of time was come, right? Uh, Christ came forth, right, born uh, of a woman. So you see, the promise was fulfilled. The timing was God's business. So he was born. So here it says they were persuaded, which means they could, they were convinced that, hey, we know what's going to happen. We're going to leave the timing up to God. They could say like the Apostle Paul. I love this great verse in Acts 27, 25, where Paul says this, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Boy, Abraham could say that. <laughs> what? Your name is father of many nations, but yet you don't have a child. He say, listen, I'm of good cheer and you can be of good cheer because, listen, I believe God and I believe it's going to be even as he told me. And that should be our testimony to the world. Hey, listen, he's coming again and I believe he's going to take care of me. I believe he's going to meet my need. I believe God. Right. And uh, uh, I believe it's going to be even as he told me. What a wonderful testimony we can give as pilgrims to a lost and dying world that God is going to keep his word. As a matter of fact, it says they embraced it, right? I mean, they embraced it. They, they welcomed it. They received it, even though it was afar off. You see, that's the power of faith. Faith can touch them. You know, we talk about the long arm of the law. You hear that? You know, the long arm of the law. Well, hey, you know what faith is? It's the long arm of grace. <laughs> faith is the long arm of grace, and it can reach out, amen, those things afar off and, and bring them right up here to you in the sense that give you the assurance in your heart that God is going to fulfill his word. Hey, uh, you know, I don't know how. What song I don't know how. I don't know when, but I know he'll do it again, and we can trust him. So, you know, a good example of embracing that which is afar off in other words, you can make decisions today, so to speak, based upon uh, the faith of what God's going to do tomorrow. Joseph did that. Joseph is a good example of one who embraced the promise afar off. Matter of fact, if you look at verse 22 in Hebrews 11, it says this, by faith, Joseph, when he died, right, he died in faith. He died in faith. When he died, what did he do? He made mention of the departing of the children of Israel by faith. He made, a, he made it, in other words, he made a decision today based upon a promise that was afar off. He made a decision today based upon a promise afar off. And that's how we're supposed to live our life. We're supposed to make decisions today based on a promise afar off. Hey, one day I'm going to stand before God. Right. One day I'm going to be in heaven. But you know what? I want to make decisions based today based upon that promise afar off. That's that's going to affect the decisions I made today. And Joseph said, you know what? Hey, one day God's going to visit you. You're going to be out of here. And because I know that's true, I'm going to make a decision based today 
upon that promise. And I'm going to ask you to make a commitment based upon that. So it says he gave commandment concerning his bones. Well, I don't want to get sidetracked by that. But, you know, listen, when you study death in the Bible and you study funerals in the Bible, there are Bible principles, all right, about burial and death and all those things. There are Bible principles. And right here's a good one. He said concerning his bones. Remember that. And, and how long was it before that was fulfilled? Over 400 years. Listen to this statement, right? When they were, when they were leaving Egypt, Exodus 13, 19, says this. I love it. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. <laughs> you see, that promise that was afar off, they didn't know how far off, they left the timing up to God. And Joseph said, well, I'm, I'm getting ready to die in faith any day here, but I know that one day it's going to happen, right? So I, be of good cheer, Israel. I believe God, and it'll be even as he told me, right? And because I believe God, I'm making a decision today that that's going to happen in the timing of it's up to God. I just know it's going to happen. So when that does happen, take my bones out of here. And then you see 400 something years later, it says Moses took the bones of Joseph with him for he had straightly sworn the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you. He saw that promise afar off and yet he embraced it in his day. And that's what we need to do, right? God's given us this problem. Doesn't matter how far off they are, right? We can embrace them today just as if they were going to happen today. I can embrace that Jesus is coming today just as if it was going to happen today. That's how God wants me to live, to embrace it, even though it might be afar off, whatever, however God chooses. Acts 13, 17 goes along with that. The God of his, this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. Look at this. With a high arm, he brought them out of it. And right now, just like they were strangers in Egypt, one day God came and he brought them out with a high arm, right? And you know what? One day he's going to bring us out with a high arm. You know what the thought of that high arm is? You see, that high arm, right? A lot of times when you're going to pound something, what do you do? You lift your arm high, right? And then you'll, you know, you're like, oh, I'm so mad. I can squish a grape. No, that's not what you do. You're like, man, I was like, ah, right? That's the thought of the high arm is. You see, the high arm, it delivers his people. When it goes up, it delivers his people. But when it comes down, it crushes the enemy of his people. You see, and that's what's going to happen one day. He's going to deliver us with a high arm. His arm is going to carry us out of here. So it's going to deliver us, but when it comes back down, it's going to crush the world in the tribulation. So one day he's going to deliver us with that same high arm, the one that delivers his people, but crushes the enemy of his people. That's what the thought is behind that, that high arm. So that is what's going to happen to us. You see, Hebrews 6, 18 says this, that by two immutable things in which it was what? Impossible for God to lie. You see, that's why we can embrace that promise of far off, because we know it's impossible for God to lie. And since we know it's impossible for God to lie, it's impossible that that promise will not be fulfilled. It's, there's no way that that promise cannot be fulfilled. God said it. Who can disannul it? It says over there in Isaiah, right? Who can disannul the things of God? Well, nobody can. If he, make, if he promises it and he cannot lie. So what a wonderful thought. So it says they confessed it to admit publicly. And that's why we can, that's, you see, 
We don't know when it's going to happen, but we can boldly confess it. We can boldly say, Jesus is coming again. We can boldly say that, hey, God is going to meet my needs. We can boldly say all these things. We can confess it because we know it's so. And we can confess it and we can embrace God's promises. That means to keep them close. And if you do, you see, the reason you want to keep them close, because when you keep the word of God close, when you keep the promises of God close, and there's no space between you and the will of God, there's no space between you and the promises of God, you know what? Then there's no room for complaint, and there's no room for compromise. You see, whenever Israel put space Whenever they didn't embrace the promises of God, what they do? They started complaining. Oh, what'd you bring us out here for? They started compromising, right? Oh, make me this idol. But when they embraced, when they kept those truths close, you know what? They weren't complaining and they weren't compromising. So what does that tell you? When you see somebody complaining, when you see somebody compromising, you know what it means? They're not embracing the things of God as closely as they should. And it says here on earth, on earth, well, until he comes and fulfills that promise, we're on earth. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1 says this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Uh, look at a few verses there. <laughs> we'll just go over them quickly because we've, we've looked at them, but just as the thought of being a pilgrim, right? 1 Peter 1, 1 says this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. I just want to look at that thought, to the strangers scattered throughout. Well, that's all that statement. You know what? I said, that's a good definition of missionaries. (laughs) What are missionaries? They're the strangers scattered abroad that God has cast out. But also, we see it here, but that thought, to the strangers scattered throughout, that's a reminder that the Lord has his believers throughout the world. You know, I know we need to go into all the world, but let me hear, here's a good thing. God does have believers in every country. You know, I, I, not to get sidetracked, but I really believe that when a missionary goes to a country, his first responsibility is to see if there's any believers already there and see if he can strengthen their hand. You know, a lot of missionaries, they get there, well, I'm here, something can get done. Well, no, you got some faithful uh, uh, servants of God that have been sort of holding the fort, if you will. Like when I got to Bulgaria and communism fell, there were some faithful servants there that had endured and been persecuted under communism and had paid a serious price for their faith. And I had contact with them. How arrogant, how arrogant and how foolish, right? How immature, whatever you want to call it, would it have been for me as an American missionary to come there and say, well, I'm going to show them how it's done here in Bulgaria and disregarded those people of faith that paid a price. My first job was to go to them and learn from them, right? And try to be an encouragement to them because they had people from the outside. I felt like that was my first responsibility, right? Even though I was still trying to get the gospel out in other, other areas and start churches, Right. And uh, in fact, uh, helped uh, helped uh, a lot of a lot of them as well. But to the stranger scattered abroad. So I'm glad God has his people. So on earth and we do live here. So we're here. We have we have connections. We have interests and we have comforts. Right. I'm glad we're all going home to a nice home tonight. But listen, they should not mean more to us. Those connections, those interests, those comforts should not mean more right, uh, to us, right, we should not desire them more than the promises that are before us. Matter of fact, the best way to enjoy our comforts, right, is to commit them 
to God. Hey, you get a car, God, thank God for this car. You get a house, hey, you should have a time of dedication at that house and show thankfulness, right? Whatever God gives you realizes by the grace of God, right? And then we need to ask ourselves as we're, you know, okay, hey, God, thank you for this house and thank you for this and thank you for that. Well, he might say, well, you say that with your lips, but you've never really turned those things over to me. You know, have we given up, right, what, what we should and trusted the Lord, amen, to take care of us. So quickly, if you look at verses 11 through 17 of chapter 2, it gives some instruction on how we as strangers and pilgrims are to live on the earth before the natives, if you will, right? The pilgrims came there and they lived before the natives. We'll think of the natives as the lost, right? I'm just going to give you these, these quickly. I'm not going to read the verses, but if you go and read verses 11 through 17, it gives instruction for the strangers and the pilgrims, right? Uh, uh, verse uh, verse uh, 11 there, right? He says, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. So verse 11 says, abstain. So as uh, even though we're in this world, we're not of the world. So one, we need to abstain from living like the natives, if you will. Abstain from living like them, right? We're to be separated. Two, it says live honest. Talks about living honest. This means that we have a responsibility to live a life of balance, a life of character, right? To live a life with proper thoughts and proper actions, right? As to have a good and clear conscience. Notice verse 12. I want to look at that verse for a second. Notice what it says, having your conversation, we know that means style of life, right? Honest among the gentle Gentiles, honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may buy your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. So notice it says they speak against you. But look at this, by your good works. So what does that mean? Your actions should speak louder than the words. You know, you say that to people sometimes. Yeah, yeah, you say that, but your actions speak louder than your words. But you know what? Our actions as Christians should speak louder than anything negative they're saying against us. I think that's what it's teaching us. 1 Peter 2.15 says this, For so is the will of God, that with well-doing, what? You may put to silence the ignorance of foolish. You know, the best way to put somebody to silence is not to sit there and get in a big argument with them, you know, right? But listen, argue with them by living the life you ought to live. Argue with them by being the testimony you ought to be. Argue with them by glorifying God in your life. That's the best way to do it. Then you'll put them to silence. It says in the day of visitation, right? Listen, if they ever get saved, those same people that persecuted are going to be the ones singing your praises before the Lord that you lived a life before them that they could see you had something real and you were the witness you ought to be, right? Verses 13 and 14 show us this. If you, if you, if you read those, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man, Right, whether it be to the king of supreme or unto governors, is unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. What does that say? Though we're not a citizen of the world, we should still be model citizens. Now look at verse 14 as a side note. Notice this verse reveals one of the main reasons God established civil government. You know one of the main reasons God established civil government? For the public for the punishment of evildoers. The government has the responsibility to punish evildoers. And what else does it say, 
right? In verse 14, and for the praise of them that do well. That shows you how messed up our society is today. Now they got it backwards. You know, the government is supposed to punish evildoers and sing the praises of those that do well. But what is our government doing today Because in America because it's gotten away from God? They're singing the praises of those that do evil, right? And they're punishing those that do well. That is what our country is doing. You see, they've got, America's gotten away from God, and what happens? They do things backwards. They're singing the praises of those that do well. Oh, man, why are you putting them in jail? Why do you want to give them, right? And then they're, who are they punishing? They're punishing the people that want to, want to do right in the country, like us. Verse 16, realize we are free through Christ and in Christ, but we must still choose to be wise servants of Christ. And then verse 17 talks about honoring those that we should honor. That means to esteem, to fix a value on. Show everyone, right? As you go through the holidays and you meet people and you're going out in the stores, you know what you need to do? Be a witness for Christ and show everyone you believe they have value because everyone you meet, despite whatever their thinking is, they are a soul that Jesus Christ died for. And you need to know there's value in that, right? Love the brotherhood. People should notice the bond of love between believers that flows from the Spirit of God. Fear God. Walk boldly. Walk boldly, but lightly and rightly before God. Honor the king. Despite what's going on, right? Respect the office of our leaders. So Hebrews 14 says this. Go back to Hebrews. We'll finish up. 11.14 says, For they that say such things, what? Declare plainly that they seek a country. And that is how we should be living our life. They that say such things. You know what we want to be? We want to be among those that say such things. Sirs, I believe God. Be of good cheer. I believe it's going to be even as he said. Right? We want to be among those that say those things. Right? Like Peter. Right? Like Peter, our speech should betray us. Remember they said that to Peter? He said, hey, you're one of them. I said, no, I'm not. He said, you're a Galatian. Your speech does betray you, right? Well, you know, and putting that on a, a positive spin on that, right? Our speech should betray us in, in the fact that says, right, we're not of this world. Our speech should betray us. Hey, right? It should betray that, listen, the way we talk and the way we live should betray us in the sense, like they say, hey, if you were put on trial for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Say, well, you know what? I want there to be enough evidence to convict me, right, by being a witness. So it says they declare plainly, right? They seek. It says, for he looked, verse 10 says, for he looked for a city which hath foundations. You see, our job is to seek out. So let us be found in the way of duty, and our duty is to seek. Colossians 3.1 says, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So though we're not a native, we should want to take a native witness with us. So as we're going out the holidays, look for opportunities to witness. Like Thanksgiving, right? What they do? The, 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 the pilgrims and the natives, if you will, got together. And so we should look for opportunity to invite the natives, if you will, to a meal at God's house. We must keep in focus and be thankful. Be thankful we're strangers and pilgrims. We are not citizens of this world. Think, listen to this now. We're not citizens of this world trying to get to heaven. That's not what we are. We are not citizens of this world trying to get to heaven. We are citizens of heaven 
just trying to get through this world till we get back home. That's a different way of thinking. We're not citizens of the world trying to get to heaven. We're citizens of heaven trying to make it through the world till we get back home. So let me finish with these verses. Psalm 119, 19 says, I'm a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. What a wonderful thought. I'm a stranger in the earth. Psalm 119.54, Thy statues have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Psalm 39.12, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears. Look at this. For I am a stranger with thee. I like that. You see, the Lord's a stranger in this world. I'm a stranger with thee and a sojourner as all my fathers were. Then this last verse, I like what it says here. Jacob said when he was before Pharaoh in Genesis 47, 9, he says this. Jacob said this before Pharaoh. The days of the years of, look at this, of my pilgrimage, the years of my pilgrimage are 130 years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been. And yet I have not attained, attained into the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. So down here, what is this life we're living? The life down here, these are the days of our pilgrimage. Amen. These are the days of our pilgrimage we're just passing through. So let's remember that and keep that focus. I, last statement. Faith, right? They died in faith. Faith is the Christian's foundation. Faith is the Christian's foundation. Hope is his anchor. Death is his harbor, right? They died in faith. Faith was his foundation. Hope was his anchor. Death is his harbor. And Christ is our pilot. And heaven is our country. Let's pray. Lord, as we think about that first Thanksgiving, Lord, those pilgrims, Lord, as we celebrate Thanksgiving, let's be reminded that we're pilgrims in this world. Lord, we're not citizens of this country, right? We're away from home, but Lord, we're heading towards home and help us to remember that. But Lord, as we're going through, just like uh, those pilgrims that first Thanksgiving, they made uh, friends with the natives and they, they led some of them to the Lord. We want to do that. Lord, as we, as we head home, we want to ask people, hey, come go with us. Come go with us. Let's go to heaven together. Come accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So bless people as they get around with friends and family tomorrow. Lord, and uh, may you get honor and glory through everything that's done in our homes tomorrow. And Lord, as to give you the honor and the thanks first, but Lord, thank you that we can have special days like this with friends and loved ones as we gather together. Keep each one safe, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Page number 246. 246, let's stand higher ground. 246. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Verse 3, I want to live above the world, though Satan's darts at me are hurled. 
For faith has caught the joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found, or plant my feet on higher ground. And on that last... I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I'll pray till heaven i found. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Amen. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving tomorrow with uh, family and friends or whoever you're meeting with. And uh, think about the things you're thankful for. And I just want to say one thing I'm thankful for is you. Amen. And Lord, bring you into my life. I'm so thankful for that. And uh, we're praying for you and hope you have a great day tomorrow. Brother Wood, please close in prayer. Lord, thank you.